Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Voices of Chandler, the podcast. I'm your host, Melina Suniga, and my intention for this particular podcast episode was to be coming to you live straight from the Perch Brewery in downtown Chandler. That's where we kicked off a city-led speaker series that focuses on entrepreneurship, creative alliances, and how the arts impact communities. It was our first VOC live event that featured a panel of businesses like Santan Brewing Company, Petto House Brewery, The Perch Brewery, and the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild. They talked about craft brewing, downtown Chandler, and downtowns across Arizona, led by Local First Arizona. We had some audio issues with the live stream, so I'm not going to put you all through the pre-show, although it was amazing. Instead, I'm going to jump right into the panel, moderated by Thomas Barr from Local First. Enjoy. All right. Thanks so much. My name is Thomas Barr. I'm the uh, vice president at Local First Arizona. Uh, We're a statewide coalition of small businesses. So this is, I got a call from John um, at Chandler not too long ago um, saying, hey, Thomas, will you come out? We're going to talk beer, talk downtowns, talk small business. And so um, I was 100% in. So we're super excited to be here today to uh, talk to the experts about what's going on in the craft brew industry in Arizona, um, what's going on in craft beer just in general, um, talk about downtowns, um, why do downtowns and breweries coexist so fluidly, um, not only in Arizona, but um, in our country, and um, why Chandler, why, what, what's going on in, in downtown Chandler, and, and why is it flourishing, why are so many great things happening? So. We're going to start, and I'm not going to introduce these fellas. I'm going to have them introduce themselves, but um, let's do quick, uh, just go down the line. Rob, we'll, stop for, we'll start with you and come down this way. Who you are, what you represent, and um, current favorite beer. <laughs> Hi, my name is Rob Fulmer. I uh, serve as the executive director for the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild. Uh, so we represent the policy education and promotional aspects of, of 100 businesses and 120 locations across Arizona. Um, you asked me my favorite beer. It just happens to be the one I have in my hand right now. Um, <laughs> that's my standard answer on that. Um, if I have three of these without asking for anything else, then I know I've had a good time. So we'll see what else is on the table. He's also the everything? fashion director for all breweries. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Jamie with Santan Brewing. Uh, I oversee all retail that we do. Uh, my favorite beer currently is a beer called Stratoblaster. Uh, it's an IPA that we have that I can, I can have three of often. Hey everybody, my name is Julian Wright. I'm the founder and CEO of Petal House Brewery. And my favorite beer, uh, anytime it's available, is Doc's uh, German style Pilsner, which I probably over consume on occasion. Uh, I'm Bucky Sisson. Uh, I'm the head brewer here at the Perch. Um, my favorite beer is whatever's fresh and hoppy. All right. Well, let's get going. Um, we want to start today by talking about um, just the state of craft beer and, and craft brewing in Arizona. Um, you know, we're uh, elephant in the room two years through a pandemic. Um, Uh, Obviously, the craft beer industry had to um, experience that just like any other industry out there. 
Rob, I want to start with you. Um, where are we at right now? Um, how is craft brewery in Arizona? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it thriving? Is it growing? Um, give us an update. Sure. Uh, these guys are some of the most resilient people in business right now. Um, and I think if you talk to them uh, in March when this was all going down, there was a lot of pessimism. There were some national numbers where 80% of all brewery owners thought they were going to not make it in the next couple months. Um, well, what changed is the government programs did, did work to some degree. Uh, the unfortunate side effect is I think everyone was holding on to their employees as long as they possibly could. Um, once those programs came into effect and they were able to sort of um, let go of those people, whether you feel that those programs are enough is, it was a, immaterial. I think they, um, um, they networked together, um, they got the information, um, they pared down, and um, um, you're not going to hear too much complaining about things from these guys. Uh, they have supply chain issues right now. Um, there's an 8 billion can deficit across all beverages. So uh, that means you might not see what you used to see on, on the shelves or to go. So um, grain is a problem, um, but they're used to these kinds of problems in their startup days. And um, they're really, again, resilient. And uh, as the guild director, we learned a lot from them. Um, and I would say our organization is a lagging indicator of what's happening. And we're, we're in this spot right now where we have a really huge event coming up that will possibly make or break uh, what we've got going on. It's called the Strong Beer Fest, and I need to make that plug. February 19th, strongbeerfest.com. It's in Bellbank Park in Mesa. So um, big fundraiser for us. You'll see about 108 breweries, possibly a lot more. We've got some time on that. But uh, I, I, I think they've done great, and I, I, I know I saw some nods. So, Well, I want to jump. I'm going to bounce over to Julian because – as uh, I saw, um, you know, personally, uh, a lot of businesses struggling um, over the pandemic. You are a business that grew <laughs> and started expanding. So what, where are things at for you and your perspective um, in, in, from a growth perspective and all the things you guys are doing at Pedal House? Well, before you give us too much credit for expanding, realize we signed all those leases pre-COVID. So in a lot of cases, we've just pushed them off till, till now. In fact, Phoenix just opened November, I think almost a year behind schedule. Thankfully, we had pretty understanding landlords and everyone gave us a bit of uh, flexibility on that. But um, I mean, going back to March of last year, uh, if it weren't for the PPP, we would have at least had to raise money to survive. And I'm not sure how willing people were to open their wallets to throw more money at the restaurant business back then. So when we did get the PPP, it definitely saved our ass. Uh, 2020, like the balance of the year was really up and down, depending on the, which way the COVID wind was blowing and how bad cases were, especially here in Arizona. Thankfully, it wasn't a full shutdown like in a lot of states. I don't think we'd be here today and certainly not expanding if that had been the case. 2021 uh, started off gangbusters and really never slowed down. 2021 in Tempe, which is six years old, was the best year we've had in the six years we've been open by a solid 60%. So I feel like there was a lot of <clears throat> pent up demand because we still didn't have you know the art fest at first. We had a kind of a minor, no pun intended, spring training and a lot of the big events we were used to that helped those sales were canceled. Despite that, it was a great year, and uh, 2022 is starting off even better than 2021. So I'm pretty optimistic. 
you know, back in the closure of March, I was pretty jealous of breweries like Santan that had cans to sell in retail because that was the one part of our industry that grew significantly as everyone was drinking at home and uh, we, did, we didn't have anything to sell really. So me, Doc, Chris, and Jason just drank all the stale beer that was in there <laughs> uh, and thoroughly enjoyed doing that. But uh, now, nowadays, I'm pretty optimistic. Um, you know, Phoenix is open pretty strong and I think Mesa will be pretty interesting. It's still a little bit of a sleepy market and um, optimistic about the future, basically. Cool. And, and Jamie, um, largest locally owned beer production business in the state, um, was able to have that retail arm, strong retail arm, hitting the pandemic and still going going today. What, what are things like from your perspective um, in the industry, both from having a, a, a storefront, right, a, a place that people come to, but also being able to rely on a different arm of revenue that kind of probably held you guys through? Yeah, I think 2020, we, I don't want to say we got lucky, but having multiple revenue generators and when one is shut down uh yeah the grocery stores volume was up and it was it was a good year for that uh we also had 14 years at the restaurant of loyal customers that i couldn't believe how much they to go food they ordered so the support from our from our loyal guests during that time it wasn't 2018 numbers but it was enough to keep us in the black so uh we had we had a good 2020 with all things considered. Uh, and then obviously there was next to nothing for on-premise business, but that beer turned into sanitizer and we found, found a way to make money sure. on that. So yeah. uh, 2021 for us was a great year as well. It was not a record year. We had a couple record months, but it was not a record year for us. <laughs> uh, 2018 was still a, probably our best year, but uh, 2022 has been great. Sure. And then Bucky from, uh, micro perspective right single location rely you relied heavily on people coming here to consume and um, having to adjust to that you're still here today obviously beautiful facility doing amazing things Um, what are things like for you guys now Um, well in 2020 we took a lot of that time to uh, expand the facility uh, while we were closed down Played in my head. <laughs> Go closer. And uh, instead of uh, you know trying to just limp through, we took the time and expanded the facilities. This nice uh, you know upstairs space. So we didn't uh, we didn't waste any time with that. And then when we opened back up, um, we opened up strong. We I mean had all the space for people to come and enjoy. So. It was outside, so we could have other uh, people, you know, not have to be as, like, close every table or whatnot. So it kind of worked out good for us in the long run. And uh, 2021 to now, we've been rolling through. I mean, just everyone wants to enjoy being outside, so it kind of works out. Cool, cool. Well, um, getting more specifically into trends in beer, um, and specifically, I guess, being in Arizona – um, the types of beer we consume here different than um, you know any other t- any other part of the country. Um, what are the trends in craft beer in Arizona right now? What are people wanting to drink? What are breweries doing to serve up the demands? And um, and what do you anticipate coming in in the next few years um, that you're probably preparing for? And anybody can answer. 
um, hazy IPAs are <laughs> blowing up. But um, I, we actually drink a lot of everything here. Um, we're fortunate as, as a state to have two, se two seasons at the same time. I mean, if, when you consider Flagstaff. Um, but, uh, you know, if it has the name IPA and it's, it's, it's doing really well. Um, but I'm actually, I'm actually hoping somebody will say Pilsner over here. Be nice. No. We, tr we keep trying, but our top five uh, retail beers are all IPAs. So I, no matter how many other beers we, we try, it's, it's IPAs out there. I mean, <clears throat> one thing I've noticed over the last two years especially, maybe, maybe three, but mostly two, is lighter style beers becoming more popular. When we started back in 15, everyone was just talking about IPAs, which was fine, but we started out brewing um, more German style beers, so Pilsners, we did a few Belgian beers. Um, and about four years ago, I approached Doc because we had Coors Light on tap. And nothing wrong with Coors Light, but we were selling a heck of a lot of it. So I remember approaching him, not sure exactly what the facial expression would be about brewing a light beer, and uh, which I think made us the first you know, recent brewery in Arizona to, to actually brew a light beer. And uh, he said, no problem, I got a recipe, we brewed it, we kept the training wheels on, cause we had, so we had our light beer and Coors Light for a while, and then finally felt comfortable enough taking Coors Light off tap and trying to convert what is a lot of tourism in Tempe between football games and triathlons, et cetera. People from all around the country, getting them to adopt our light beer, which is a little heavy lifting at first, but now it's, I think, our number one selling beer, both on property and off property. Our Pilsner does really well, and then I think our fastest growing beer over the last couple of years has been our Hazy IPA, which is kind of what Rob was alluding to. And it's, it's obviously an IPA, but it's a little bit lighter. Um, tends to be a little more citrus forward, and I think a perfect beer for Arizona. So I think lighter beers and Hazy IPA seem to be the trend, assuming we ignore the elephant in the room, that being all seltzers. Speaking of, I, I had some help with that, yeah. Um, yeah, I just have to say, hazies are definitely big, or IPAs in general, but, um, you know, I think a lot of people that like, uh, sorry, a lot of light beers and uh, definitely sours, too. I mean, you can put a sour on, and that stuff's pretty much gone, so. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Yeah. Hey, to the perch and the hospitality, too. Yeah, thanks, perch. Thank so, Cheers. why hazy? Um, is it Arizona? Is it the food we eat here? Are we uh, are we cool or are we boring? What is it? <laughs> it? It's a national it's a national thing, and it's uh, it's a different way to express hops than they've traditionally been made. And it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's not something I necessarily always favor. But um, um, like I said, I, I think we do still drink a wide variety of beers. People ask me why why would anyone drink a stout in the hundred degree weather, and I'm like, well, I have a hot cup of coffee in the morning, so. Why would that be unusual? Um, but again, I, I think um, we're an interesting market because uh, we're, we, our weather doesn't reflect what's going on in the rest of the country, and then, but we still also have that other climate in Flagstaff. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunities. Um, so buy different beers, people. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, last question regarding kind of state of craft brewing in Arizona. You know, uh, Jamie, we see Santan um, doing distilling, um, expanding into that. Um, are we 
potentially going to see more breweries uh, jump into that arena, um, explore that? Is it really just kind of based on the, the owners of the business and what they're interested in doing, or is that a, a trend that we're going to continue seeing grow? I think it's a combination of both, and I've seen an uptick in breweries nationally that are also distilling. Um, I think it's like when people say bands start playing not heavy metal anymore because they're 45 years old. Well, I can't drink five craft beers every night, but I can drink a couple whiskey and sodas every night. So I think it's also what we, we tend to start gravitating to. Part of, part of it is we have half the equipment. You know, whiskey starts with beer, so you have to make beer to make whiskey. We were halfway there. So and the other half is we love whiskey, so why not venture into that? So, Julian, <laughs> when are we going to see some Petal House distilling, <laughs> maybe? I would say unlikely in our future. Um, we're trying to stay pretty close to one game plan. <clears throat> in fact, we have no plans to do any canning even, which probably seems unusual. Instead, we're taking my combination of sort of restaurant background and Doc's ability to make great beer. We're going to keep opening brick-and-mortar beer experiential restaurants and bars. Uh, and just that's kind of our lane. So as tempting as it is, um, you know, it's taken me six years and I'm still only maybe halfway there to figure out the manufacturing of beer, let alone trying to figure out another um, skew like spirit. So we're pretty happy just making good beer and when we want whiskey, we'll drink Santans. Cool. Bucky, any plans? Not that I know of, but <laughs> I'm willing to do whatever I'm asked. So. Right on, hey, right hey, on. Tom, um, uh, I can actually tell you a little bit what, what policy-wise we've got going on that might. Let's hear about it. Um, so I, I do think you're seeing more, you're already seeing more products that sort of bleed the lines of between what's beer and what's a seltzer and what's uh, uh, what they call RTGs, ready to drink. Um, so they, um, what you might see on the shelf might say gin and tonic, but I mean, you can make that using, you can use that, you can use that, or uh, make that with malt, you can make that with wine, you can make that with direct spirits, and you can concoct that sort of flavor profile. And that's the direction things are going in, 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 in some of the volume stuff. I mean, we're, we are losing shelf space to seltzers, and there are some breweries that are, um, are, are making seltzers. I don't know if that's a long-term trend. I think that's anyone's guess. Uh, but we are structuring our policy, our laws to, for uh, these guys to be able to, if not directly make those products, to partner with them. We have something called alternating proprietorship. So in a single facility, you could have a brewery and a distillery or several breweries with their own licensing, and they can collaborate on certain aspects of what they do. Um, uh, cider, by the way, cider and mead, by the way, are wines. Um, and um, we are trying to sew up the uh, uh, ability for, for wines to be included in that. So you could have a cider house, a brewery, under one sort of business structure uh, for the consumers, but they would be independent um, things. And I, and I think that what we lack here in Arizona is we lack uh, destination breweries. We have some destination wineries. Um, but to, can you, if you can imagine having all three components, distilling, wine, wineries, and breweries, um, working together to create some really cool things. Has anyone ever gone to, like, upstate New York, uh, that kind of atmosphere? Yeah. Um, that's what we want to build. And, um, and it also could be in a small footprint like this, especially when you have um, people like Julian having these 
you know, Main Street experiences, but also uh, uh, having a production facility, again, in the same way as Santan. Um, most of you might not even know that there's a giant production facility in Chandler. Um, you can tour it now, right? And they got the spirits, but um, most people are familiar with what's down the street. So speaking of uh, destination uh, breweries, um, kind of connecting that to, to the downtown atmosphere, um, why do breweries tend to open up shop in downtowns? Is it something to do with trying to connect to something that's already somewhat a destination? Is it, uh, you know, Jamie being in downtown Chandler for so long, wanting to build that destination with others? Uh, why is it that breweries downtowns pretty much fluidly always uh, connect the dots together? I think a lot of it has to do with high density living and, and other businesses to collaborate with. Uh, I don't think Chandler was a destination when 14 years ago when we moved down here, but it, it certainly is now. Uh, I don't know, I, I know there are a bunch of them, but it doesn't, it, downtown seem like the perfect spot for a brewery, um, just like sports teams. Like it's, it's the hometown brewery or the hometown sports team, but it, it, it just makes sense. Sure, and I mean, when you look across Arizona, you could pick pretty much any downtown and see a brewery there for the most part. Um, Julian, as somebody who has breweries in multiple downtowns, what, what is it for you that has drawn you to those different areas rather than, you know, maybe finding a less uh, or, or lower lease, you know, in a uh, spot right off the freeway, right? You could find other places to go. Why have you chosen to go to downtowns? Well, full disclosure, we're moving our brewery to a warehouse <laughs> facility in Chandler, as a matter of fact. Uh, we chose Tempe originally because when we signed the lease in 2014-ish, we were still kind of on the tail end of the recession, and we were able to put a good deal together on a building big enough to uh, do both brewing and have a restaurant and you know most of my backgrounds in restaurants and I've always chosen for better or worse to cluster in downtowns because I just like the walkability especially if you're drinking and you live nearby that's kind of a bonus we're staying in a hotel so to me I like downtowns just because of the synergy with other bars and restaurants um, I'm not sure it's the best place to manufacture beer because you're not getting retail prices for the beer you're selling. But I think having a brick-and-mortar presence in a downtown makes a ton of sense. Sure. And, Rob, looking across the state, obviously with uh, flexibility in Arizona to have a, a front in a downtown, maybe produce in a different area like Julian's talking about, do we see that a lot or do most breweries produce – and have their um, brew pubs in the downtown space that they that they brew in as well. Well, there's not really one story, uh, but there are uh, breweries that start uh, in a downtown area, and once they get larger, um, scale kind of dictates. And also, um, you want to have more guests, right? And and that brewing takes up a lot of space. So, um, you know, there isn't one story for all breweries, and there isn't one story for the life of of a brewery. But, um, you know. Uh, a very smart person that's uh, uh, in this area, uh, Joe Johnston, uh, once told me, and, and, and I think about it a lot. He said, I want to open a business that's walkable between t two breweries um, because he knows that people will gather there. They'll have their happy hours there. Even if they're uh, a, a place that doesn't have a, a, a storefront, um, it will be seen as a, 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 an asset for people working there. Um, and and uh, I think... 
um, you know, the walkable part is, 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 is the important piece um, because uh, you, people live all over the city, but if they could say, hey, let's meet in Chandler, and, and you really don't even have to pick the brewery until you get, like, till the first person lands, right? Um, and, and you'll explore uh, this city, um, this downtown area, like from um, the New Look Cinema, which has a brewery, um, um, to here is about a quarter mile. But all the way, you can look in, in window shop and you can um, find out if a new restaurant went in the space or look at the menus. Um, but if you wanted to go, say, to, um, I don't know, what's, what's, by the, uh, what's by Pecos in that mall? Different strip mall mentality, right? Like you said, hey, I got I to gotta go to Verizon store and switch out my SIM card. Do people do that anymore? But anyway, <laughs> you would not want to walk that distance because the experience is, it's the same distance, but the experience is different. And I think that's what's really appealing is um, tapping into people being excited to be in an area and um, just getting that walk-up traffic. Sure. So what kind of uh, a relationship and um, as a stakeholder in a developing downtown do the three of you have in Chandler? Uh, Jamie, you've been here for a while. Um, uh, Bucky and, and Julian, a little bit newer here, but... Obviously, that the experience that Rob is is um, is talking to um, between your breweries is really important because if it's a bad walking experience, um, you're more than likely only to go to one of those establishments rather than experience multiple things within a block or a neighborhood, right? And so, what is the stakeholder partnership relationship responsibility that you feel that you have or that you've contributed to? in downtown Chandler developing the way that it has and that it's continuing to right now? Jamie? I guess that's me. Uh, I guess Mary could answer that best from the DCCP, but that's, as, uh, as a committee that I'm on, part of what most of what we look at is walkability, cleanliness, safety of the downtown, which is super important. Um, lighting. You know, getting put foot patrol or police patrol on the weekends, things that we speak out because it is so important for people to be able to walk, I always say, from one end to the other uh, and feel safe about it. Uh, mm -hmm. We still have some work to do. There's still some dark spots at night, but uh, it is something I think that business owners work together on because we do want them to be able to visit all the restaurants downtown, not just ours. Yeah, I would just say kind of piggybacking off the last question, like generally speaking, whether you're a craft beer just enthusiast or full-blown craft beer nerd, you typically want to, it's like an adventure. You want to taste lots of different styles of beer. So if they're clustered together, it's easier to do that as opposed to driving all over town. That's part of the reason I like being in downtown. It's probably the same thing goes for wine. If you're a wine enthusiast, you can go to an area that has five, six, seven different little tasting rooms. I mean, that's perfect place to be dropped off and start your journey. Um, I forget what the other question was about the stakeholder. What exactly were you asking? What, what I guess, um, responsibility do you feel you hold as a brewery here in the as things continue, continue to develop? Are you um, actively engaged with how the city is making plans in, um, you know, issues or, or opportunities that come up downtown as a, as a local brewery that has a, has a stakeholder relationship here. 
Uh, I think to some degree, but you know, we've had a lot of faith in the city of Chandler. We've had a lot of interaction with the city of Chandler. We've always felt like they were on top of it and making good decisions. So um, I wouldn't say we're overly involved in the direction of the city. We kind of trust it in their hands. Uh, as far as like other breweries in the area, <clears throat> a manager of mine came up with a term I'd never heard before. He said it probably 10 years ago, but we were talking about the other restaurants around us on Mill Avenue, and he used the term cooperation. So it's like we still compete on some level, but one thing I like about Chandler is that uh, we all know each other pretty well. We all get along. We all have beers together. So, again, while well, you could kind of consider there's some level of competition at the end of the day, but we look at it more of like a pretty cooperate, cooperation type of approach to doing business together or playing in the sandbox together, as I like to say. Sure. And Bucky, being in the industry brewing, um, have you felt uh, the purchase taking the same perspective and having a working relationship with the other breweries, building uh, trust, partnerships, that kind of stuff with everybody? Yeah, well, uh, I think I definitely have a pretty good relationship with these two guys. I mean, uh, through they've always been there, helped me out with some yeast and stuff like that. And um, having... Uh, Pedal House downtown Chandler now is kind of nice uh, to be able to go over there and uh, you know have a beer or so, try their stuff. Um. Cool, simple. So recently <laughs> in Phoenix, someone asked me because there's a lot of breweries opening in the Roosevelt Row area right now, and someone I always get asked like, "Are right, does that make you nervous?" There's a bunch of breweries opening. I'm like, "No, the more the better because it creates a beer destination." So I think breweries are one of the best things for a downtown to attract because you become that sort of you know craft beer tourism destination. So I think it's good for downtown to so have as many breweries as possible. Cool. And um, so uh, Julian, I know yeah we've talked in the past about different places you visited and. Um, getting inspiration from those and kind of infusing them into some of your establishments. Is there um, anywhere else you've traveled to um, that you've seen and, you know, kind of aspired? It'd be really cool if we could bring this energy back to Arizona, be it Chandler, be it Tempe, wherever one of your breweries, breweries are. I haven't traveled a ton since 19, uh, at least the places that are considered sort of beer-centric places. I think we did a trip in the summer of 19 to Seattle, three of us and uh, one of our guys that lives there and geez we hit 40 breweries in three days to the point where on Sunday which I think was our last day at about two o'clock we just tapped out <laughs> couldn't do any more beer um, but yeah there's you know that's that's an area that's you know got a lot of good beer action going on um, and then Germany I mean or just Europe in general just beer is such a big part of their culture that uh, anytime you go there, you realize beer is more than just a, a glass of suds made from malt. It's about culture and community, and I always try to mix that into the, the soup, the recipe for the soup that is Petal House to some degree. And we're very focused on the customer experience, but to me, that doesn't mean steps of service or even great quality beer. It's about our people connecting with the people sitting at the bar. And one of my favorite things to do is just sit at the bar unannounced I don't shake my hand to the guy next to me or lady next to me and say I'm the owner I just develop a, a rapport a conversation with them see how far it'll go till they maybe realize it because the staff's coming over and asking me how's everything blah 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 but I think that's the most important part of our business at the end of the day is just connecting with the people that are 
sitting across the bar from you and enjoying your product that you make. Cool. And uh, Jamie, interested to hear a little bit about the culture of Santan. Um, what has uh, what is your business um, infused into it that um, makes experience maybe a little bit different from somewhere else you might go to, be it one of these breweries or even another town down the road? Well, to start, I think breweries, not just Santan, have an advantage right now, and I was speaking to some about staffing. I think we're all dealing with some staffing shortages, but as a brewery, we have a culture and our staff takes ownership that they're a part of something that maybe another restaurant doesn't have. So, you know, they can see, I know, they can see a six-pack at the grocery store and say, I was a part of that sitting on the shelf. So we have, I don't think breweries are dealing with the same level of staffing shortages that maybe some other restaurants are because we have a little more brand loyalty. Um, and as far as culture, I, I think fun. But yes, we all hold the same standards and you know, customer service is obviously number one, but I think our staff has fun. And, mm -hmm. and that's, if I, use, if I was to use a word for culture, that's the word I would want to use is cool. have fun doing your job. It's definitely more fun working in a brewery than it is an Amazon warehouse. I agree. That's Kudos. our pledge <laughs> as uh, an employer. Tom, Thomas, I, I can tell you um, that this, I, I've been, I used to live um, here before Santan was a brewery. I, does anybody, has anyone been here long enough to remember Justin's Buffalo Street Grill? I've been there. Um, which is now Craft uh, 64. I mean, that was the only thing going on in, in, in downtown. And um, Santan moved into Valley Bank, but I already bought my other my house in another part of the valley. So it's been really fun to check in and see how things have been growing. And it's growing great. But um, if you want to uh, uh, compete with other downtowns or at least uh, uh, make sure that everybody's growing at a great rate, I mean, I think places to look at right now are downtown Mesa, uh, downtown Gilbert, I think, is almost a little bit too Hollywood for me right now. Um, but they've done a great job, and we'll see if they can survive that initial rust because I think the prices are going to go up, and we're going to see who falls out. I know Julian's shaking his head about that. Um, it's it's going to kind of peak and plateau. Um, but uh, you know, don't you know, Flagstaff is like one of the original great downtowns, and um, with several breweries. Uh, but take a look at Clarkdale Cottonwood. Um, I think they got a great mix of wineries and distilleries, and um, uh, you know, uh, Clarkdale's a little bit removed from Cottonwood, but um, you know, they've got a craft beer hotel uh, with with a brewery. Um, and and it, what thrills me about this is uh, uh, we're a different state. Uh, we literally have Los Angeles. We live in Los An the Los Angeles of, of of the Southwest in terms of size, but guess what? We we can get out of town really quickly, and it's great. Um, um, but we, we, we've lost a lot of buildings and we've lost a lot of um, bones for downtown. And I'm really happy that Chandler's able to, to maintain that and then also build on it. Like this would not fly in a lot of other, this structure would not fly in a lot of other cities. So I know they had to work a lot with um, people with clipboards and things. But, um, you know, uh, uh, we lost that kind of in, in, in parts of uh, um, Phoenix. And, um, you know, Row Row, Roosevelt Row is, is uh, you know, a great area. There could have been 12 of those if we would have all kind of seized on it. And I know you've got offices and in, in, in interest down there, too. Like, uh, so for the people who have any kind of policy, you know, I mean, really got to consider that stuff. And um, uh, you can park for free in Chandler, but it may not always be the case. And that, that's an issue that people fall differently on. 
all those things matter. Parking matters. You know, how many bathrooms require matters. And, and um, I think you guys have got a great balance, but um, work's not over. Yeah. So I, uh, I travel across the state pretty frequently, um, get to see a lot of what you all are talking about in a lot of different ways. Um, and, you know, when I'm West Valley, um, I'm usually talking about what's happening here because there's, I think, a lot of great synergy between uh, the relationship between the businesses and the people with the clipboards, and um, but also the vision, right? Um, what they're, what downtown Chandler is actually doing to infuse um, differentiation between um, neighboring cities and towns, and even um, the types of experiences of special events that are happening here. So, Rob, kind of interested in your perspective. What do you see Chandler doing well in its development as um, they work with these breweries and they work with the walkability, the parking, the all the issues that every downtown sees? What is Chandler doing different and well compared to the others? Well, I, I think they've got great uh, public-private um, groups working on this, including you know the downtown group here. And um, I mean, they were already doing things well um, when they had the ostrich festival down here. And I know that had to, I know why I had to move, but, um, um, they didn't, they didn't just give up. I mean, I, I think, um, they've just really leveraged what they've had. And, um, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't, you know, it's great to see the development moving further South. And I, I expect that to sort of continue. Um, but, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of different things. Um, um, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, just just knowing that uh, uh, Julian's going to be uh, moving into this area and to, to really sort of uh, have the back of uh, uh, Santan, who's been down here for a long time. And again, um, just the things going on here. I know you've got uh, owners and, 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 and employees and, and people who are really interested in, in keeping things, you know, special and distinct um, here. So, um, but again, um, you know, the mesas of the world are, 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 are happening too, so we all got to challenge each other. So just like Julian said, it's that cooperation. <laughs> Did I say that right? Cool. Yeah. yeah. So uh, uh, and, and, and as an organization, we're getting more involved in, in, in local things. We're generally a state law kind of thing, but um, the pandemic has taught us that we really have to support our members in ways we didn't used to. So um, uh, for, for our businesses, I, I hope they call on us a lot more to, to to uh, ask for things and, and challenge things. Um, so I, I guess it really starts with the great businesses that are here. Cool. So a couple final questions and then we'll wrap things up. Um, Jamie, you had mentioned um, the, the staffing issues. Again, kind of elephant in the room. I talk to people about this every day because as consumers, we should all be conscious of the issues that our local businesses are facing. And um, you know what, if, if you need to wait a little longer to get a table, if you need to wait a little longer to get your food or your beer or your favorite business isn't open at the same hours that they were um, pre-COVID, um, you know, that's not necessarily the business's fault. They're adapting to the changing time. So kind of curious to hear from everybody, what are you doing to adapt to the challenges that you're facing with staffing? Do you see uh, a, a, a curve? Do you see uh, this changing anytime soon? Um, and or what, what is your perspective on what's going to come soon? Well, the restaurant industry was heading this way before COVID. Um, I think it comes down to if, for a long time, if somebody left the restaurant industry, they said they got a real job, and that's kind of something we need to, 
to overcome or to stop because it is a real job. You can make a career in our industry. So for people not to consider our industry a real job, I think is the first step. Uh, right now we have to try harder to, I mean, try harder to make our place a place that they want to work. Uh, I was a little late today because we had a 401k meeting for all of us, so we can have 401k for all of our staff. And there are things that we should be doing anyways, but yes, we have to work towards create as a whole, creating a perception that the restaurant industry is not something you have to do, or it, it is a it is a career. It's not just a job to have in college. Sure, Julian. Well, I think uh, one thing that's come out of this labor shortage is a much deeper appreciation for the job that guys do in, like, hot, greasy, intense, stressful kitchens. Um, and it's nice to see. I mean, I've always been real respectful of the guys in the kitchen and try to say hi to the dishwashers and get them a beverage. But... I think as an industry on the whole, we've realized, man, we can't operate without these guys and girls uh, and how important they are to the, the lifeblood of the success of the business. So, I mean, I feel like Chris and I, who are pretty like charged with that responsibility of staffing in general through our GMs, like we've really kind of, we've spent almost as much time on company culture, pay, benefits, respect, recruiting is almost any other part of our business for the last at least six months maybe nine you know um, out of necessity but you know we at the corporate office and even at the store level we have a company culture like Santan's where we encourage having fun not taking yourself too seriously but I think this has been eye-opening for us on you know what can we do more to be more attractive as employers uh, and I'm sure everyone's kind of doing that, so I don't know that it necessarily gives us a competitive advantage when it comes to staffing. But at the end of the day, it's the people that make the engine go, and it's important to uh, you know, be able to compensate them and treat them in a way that they want to work for you. Love it. And Bucky, making a career as a brewer, um, leading the charge behind everything everybody's tasting tonight and um, being able to uh, contribute to – something great what's it been like building a career here at, at the perch personally i mean uh it's been nice uh, i have a lot of support uh from my boss um so it's a great place i mean i get to try pretty much anything i want and uh i feel that's, a, that's a good because there's so many things going on all the time right now in craft beer whether it be the science or just like new yeast or malts or whatever and it's just it's good to be in a place where I don't have to make the same thing every day, you know. So Love it. Love it. All right. Put everybody on the spot. Final question. Uh, not counting the three great breweries we have here, um, one brewery comes to mind, um, Arizona-based, that, that you love, one of your partners in the guild, uh, local local brewery you want to shout out, who's it going to be? What are they doing? What are they doing that's great that I makes you love them? Yeah. <laughs> I have been successful in this job by not answering that question directly. <laughs> so um, I think if you ask me, if you want to ask me, you know, off when we're done here, what it's, what's a great brewery, I, I'm going to ask you as many questions like, where are we going? Who are we with? Do we want to eat? Are we walking? Um, 
are, are we able to, do we have an unlimited travel budget, um, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, so I'm not going to answer that, I, I, but I do want to say uh, a lot of people ask me how to support Burisa during the pandemic. And what I want you all to do is just think about where you live and what you can walk to and what you think should exist. Um, and for me, that answer was uh, I used to, uh, you know, get stuff dry cleaned and I wasn't getting things dry cleaned during the pandemic. So I literally went through all my stuff and kind of did a refresher. And like, that's the kind of mentality we have to have. And if, if that's not in your area, maybe, maybe, maybe downtown life is for you, right? Or, um, you know, maybe it's, you want to be closer to school. Um, I think everyone's talking about the great um, uh, what, um, resignation. Resignation. Um, this this could be the great uh, migration for you all. Reevaluate what, where where you live and what you do, and um, and then once you've found that, just be just be invested in in the success of those places, um, in 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 networking with people. That's what I would ask. So you can then tell me what the great brewery that you go to is. Love it. You guys can answer it any way you want. So if it's am, it, as ambiguous as that, that's okay. <laughs> I'm allowed to answer that question. <laughs> uh, I go to Puebla Vida a lot. I go to Tucson to hike and catch some music. So I always catch myself going there for a couple pints. Cool. I might have got fired because I didn't say Tucson is a great downtown. They have an excellent downtown. Oh, my God. <laughs> They're going to hate me down there. Oh, my God. Is this airing in Tucson? <laughs> My favorite brewery is the uh, one I'm closest to. And I will say one of the best brewery names ever invented came out of this brewery back in the day by that gentleman sitting over there called Pale Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess Arizona Wilderness. uh, I've known those guys since I brewed in Chicago, did a few beers with them back then. uh, They always work with a lot of local companies, so I think that's pretty cool. In general, so cool. Right on. Well, can we thank our panelists for sharing tonight? <laughs> Want to thank uh, the council member that helped put this on tonight, John from Chandler. Everybody on on staff that helped uh, produce everything tonight. Can we give them a round of applause? I uh, hope everybody sticks around, um, supports the workers here, supports uh, this local business here tonight, and reminds all your family and friends, um, every time you support a local business, that business turns around and supports 10 others. So keep your money in the community and spend your money with the local businesses right here in Chandler. So thanks, everybody, for having us tonight. So like I had mentioned, this was our first VOC live event. There will be three more in this series, so tap in. I quickly want to thank Chandler Vice Mayor Terry Rowe. This podcast is brought to you by the City of Chandler, but these live events are funded on behalf of Council. So shout out to Terry Rowe. Within the next couple of months, we'll be having our other events, and you can find out all of those great details on VoicesOfChandler.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and we hope to see you at some of these live events.